This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast for visiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Black Noon. Well, I don't want to trouble you with our problems. I'd like you to tell me. Well, we've worked a mine here. Gold. Not the richest mine in the world, but enough to sustain the village. And it played out. It doesn't pay now to even work it. Tell the Reverend about the church, Caleb. Some time ago, our church burned down. And shortly after, our minister took ill and died. Like the book says, Reverend, we have suffered many things in vain. Let's look on the brighter side, Joseph. Now, when we found you in the desert, the minister, we had hope that you might stay with us and help us. Welcome to Continuing Drag, the podcast about spookies goings-ons in the Old West. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I noticed, and I don't know if you did, this this movie we're going to talk about, Black Moon, Roy Thines. Did you notice Roy Thines? Or Thins, however you pronounce his name? I did, I did. I was going to talk about that too. Uh, yeah. I, I, I recognized his name and I didn't know why, but when I looked it up, I'm like, oh! The same, yeah, I did the same. Yeah, so it's, uh, we'll get into it more, but he played David Vincent in uh, The Invaders in the 1960s, and a tiny little part, I think he played the same part, didn't he, in the 1995 TV movie we watched, yeah, and the in the Scott Bakula miniseries of the Invaders <laughs> we watched, um, yeah, he 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 sort of reprises his original character from the Invaders in that. So I was just like, hey, we've seen this guy before. He has a really interesting face, huh? Don't you think so? Yeah, he's he's got a look to him for sure. He's sort of like I don't know. He's very sinewy. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Very sinewy. <laughs> that's not an insult. Well, this week, we are watching the 1971 TV movie Black Noon, which is, uh, I guess, was released as part of the CBS Friday Night Movies series. I'd never heard of this, and I'm sure you've looked into it more, but I think this is a great idea. I wish they still did this on TV. I know no one's watching cable anymore or broadcast television, but I think there's something great about just, here's a TV movie. Something fun. There was there was a period of time where it was just like, every Friday, we're going to give you a brand new movie. We're making a brand new movie for you every Friday. Yeah. And this, like, you can tell this is not a huge budget, and they're probably using another Western set from probably other movies that were filming at the time, but I think it looks pretty good. I mean, it all looks good. Like, you know what? They The, this, the production value is there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's like three or four major sets they kind of stick with, and it works well. That dead puppet, or that dead puppet Ooh. horse that was laying on the ground? That did not look good. Yeah, that worked out well. Yeah. The, the, was there, uh, we're going to talk about it later, wasn't there a dead owl? There's yes, also a dead owl later. It also did not look good. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, like it was well, like uh like Mister Rogers version puppets. I was like, ooh, guys, no close-ups on this. <laughs> I I tried to look a bit into this, not like super hard. I'm not gonna lie, it's been a busy week. But I, when I was reading the Wikipedia, the the best detail I could find about this because it was really it was broadcast on November fifth, nineteen seventy one. Mm-hmm. And uh, my favorite detail was that the Los Angeles the Los Angeles Times said the film's release would have been more fitting if it had been a week earlier before Halloween. I did see that too. Yeah, and I was like, they're right. They botched that release. Maybe everyone was still coming down from Halloween. You know, they had like corn candy around their lips still. And I would I should have looked up what the CBS movie was on Halloween. It was like a rom com. <laughs> it was probably a Christmas movie. <laughs> Well, and uh, before we get into it, since we're talking about when it was released, here's mm-hmm. a little here's a little 
taste of the world around November fifth, nineteen seventy one. Jordan, mm-hmm. don't have a lot here, but I got I got three I got three things for us. November eighth, so the three days after this comes out, it was, yeah. it was shown on CBS. Led Zeppelin releases Led Zeppelin four. Nice. That's uh, that's old. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Stairway to Heaven's on that one. No, oh, and then I believe born on the same day as Black Noon, uh, Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. Oh yeah, how about that? And finally, there were I had to stretch it out a little bit. Like three months after this premieres, there are two continuum drag TV movies we've watched before. And uh, can you guess what the two TV movies from January 1972 were? So three Genu- months later, 1972. I would guess that one with um. That black and white we won, we won with the mothers, the mother ghost. Oh, uh, Sierra Madrid. Mm-hmm. Is that one? No. Oh, okay. That's earlier. I think it's the 60s. Oh, you're, yeah, you're right. And the other one, who was in that? Burt Bacharach? I can't remember who was in that. Anyway. <laughs> uh, there was, uh, no, but I, I know he, I can't remember his name right now either. <laughs> it's definitely not Burt Bacharach. That's just for me. That's only amusing to me. Um, the, what was else 1972? 72 would be a TV movie. Oh, the, the astronaut? Oh, you're right. The astronaut was January 8th, and then January 30th was Baffled. Oh, Baffled. I forgot about Baffled. He was the psychic psychic race car driver. Psychic race car driver. I love that pitch. Such a great uh, concept. Every time you think about it, it's a funny one. They just walk in, they go, Leonard D-Boy, race cars, psychic. And they're like, stop drilling, you hit oil. (laughs) All right, let's get into it then. Yeah. Here's the IMDb summary for Black Noon. A traveling minister and his wife are quietly menaced by a devil cult in the Old West. Mm-hmm. By the time the good reverend figures out what's going on, it may be too late to stop the evil. <laughs> That's Okay, there's a couple things about, about this movie. First thing I want to mention is I love the score. And I love this time period of scores in movies. I just think they do a lot of work that the script doesn't really do. And I just think, I just think it's really fun. It's so over the top and it's so like classic Hollywood. But I, I really enjoy it. But that synopsis you you mentioned, it makes it feel a little different than what this movie is. This movie really takes its time. And the idea that, like, I think they almost save too much. Would you agree with me? Yeah, I mean, we'll get into it. But I also, when I was was sort of doing my, after I've watched it and done my raw notes, like the notes I do as I watch it, and then I sort of redo those into a more coherent form, I was, like, really seeing the structure of the show. And I was like... This show just like repeats the yeah. same day over and over and over again. I think they want this sort of building tension, almost like a tightening of a noose is what they're going for. But you're right. What you kind of get is a repeat of a scene over and over, but nothing really gets added to that. And so things don't get more tense. They don't get tighter. You just sort of go, is anything happening? Because we'll say, you know, you start off right off the bat. They they let you know something odd is going to happen because the opening is... Great opening. Yeah, is... At first, you can't tell it's a church. It kind of looks like a house, but you see it as a church. It kind of reveals as they uh, pan the camera up. You see the um, the cross on the steeple. It's a church burning and uh, practical burning, which is great. And there's a woman sort of like almost ethereal. She's kind of like got long flowing outfit. It's kind of blowing and uh, she's watching it like almost pleased to see this burning and then a cat kind of runs by and she holds the cat and she like watches it burning as if as if she's pleased watching a bonfire when it's clearly something bad has happened yeah 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 lots of shots of that cat i really enjoyed that off the top. yeah and, and let me just say this lady we're gonna see her many times through this and her name is gonna be deliverance is the character's name um so funny that name was so funny to me her name is deliverance i'm like okay 
And uh, I don't know if it's so much the actress's fault. It might be. I don't know if she's a great actress or not. But there's a lot of her kind of like looking at things and just staring off into this distance. And I don't know what I was supposed to feel from her. I didn't know if it was supposed to be like I was supposed to feel bad for her or I was supposed to feel that there was something nefarious happening. But it's, it's that sort of old school like soft focus on her as she just kind of like stares off the distance. I was like, what are we supposed to get from this? Well, you're supposed to, you know what you're supposed to get from that? You're supposed to get that she's a mute. So she just stares at things. Well, yes, they, we're going to learn the characters of mute, but but regardless of that, there's a lot of just like gazing, you know. And I'm like, okay, she's gazing at things. Yeah, her her character was certainly gives them a lot of time to gaze at things. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, it all takes place in the ninety or sorry the 1870s, mm-hmm. um, and starts off with this Reverend John Keys and his wife Lorna lost and dying in the desert. There, they're. they're there were covered wagons there. They're out of water. She, uh, I think Lorna's in a bit of a coma already. Yeah, I think what we're supposed to believe is she's sort of like, uh, from the elements, she's had sunstroke, et cetera, et cetera. She's I, had... I did like they, they show her and she looks very badly sunburned. I'm like, oof, that looks unfortunate. Yeah, and they have, as you mentioned, there's one dead horse that doesn't look great. And there's one okay still horse. But you get the sense that they're really at the end of their rope. That He kind of like tries to get water. They don't have any water. Or they're, he tries to fix the wheel but he can't do it himself so there you can see that he tries to hulk lift that wagon and i was just like i don't think this is gonna work it's not gonna work um also if he was gonna do that i didn't want to make a suggestion to this guy who we're gonna find is called the reverend john keys maybe take everything out of the wagon and then try (laughs) to lift it i'm just saying instead of loading uh lifting an entirely loaded wagon but not to tell the reverend what to do but it's okay for them because just when they're at their lowest low and it looks like they're not gonna be able to survive in the desert a wagon pulls up or it's, or it's people on horses. They're not in a wagon, are they? On their horses? No, no, they are in a wagon. They are, They're in a wagon. Correct. And it's people from a town not too far off who essentially save them and say, we can bring you back to our town. And, yes, and... yes. It is the it is the mayor of San Milas, Caleb Hobbs. Yep. His daughter Deliverance is with them. Mm-hmm. And this weird old bald dude who just hangs around the whole movie. Did you recognize that actor? The the weird thin guy? I, did, I didn't know. He was, um, he's a, he has a bit part in, um... Uh, Twin Peaks. <laughs> I, I could be wrong. It's been a while, but I think he's um, a waiter in the diner that they go to. He's a good oddball. I'll give him that. I agree. Yeah, he's he's a good like Western character. He's just like he's too thin and tall. Yeah, exactly. And you know they they help they help out the Reverend and his wife. And they're loading them up, and you know something's spooky when the when a rattlesnake po- rolls up and then looks at Deliverance. And Deliverance just like gazes at it blankly and the uh, rattlesnake flees yeah but again blankly is the right word because it's not like she gives it even like a frown she just gazes at it like she gazes at everything i was like oh i guess she has powers yeah look out deliverance yeah. has power yeah or or it's not or if she doesn't have powers she has a presence that even rattlesnakes understand yeah, bad Don't vibes mess with on her. that lady yeah yeah uh, so they head back to this town, and they're put up at the mayor's house so that Lorna can recover in a bedroom. And and they kind of show the reverend around their, the town of San Milas, which they, they explain very quickly off the top something <laughs> I wouldn't have noticed if they hadn't brought it up. What's that? They're just like, hey, I know you may look around our old west town and notice that it a lot of nautical-themed oh, things that's everywhere. Right. That's right. And that we all speak in New England accents. And I'm like... Are are you speaking in New England accents? Yeah, it was funny. They're just like I know. Yeah, I know things are a little off, but I think maybe we're so removed from 
what you know what they were trying to say at that time i was just like i didn't i didn't notice anything different i did like when they pointed out that there's a nautical theme i look i I started looking i'm like oh yeah there's like there's like mastheads and uh big 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 like uh steering wheels for ships on the wall but here's the thing luke let's say you and i lived in some new england town and then for reasons we had to leave and we were going to set up hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of miles away why would we why would we bring stuff that's only meant for the ocean? We're not going to bring very decorative funny. stuff like, for the ocean. Oh well, to explain this, we'll tell you we're from New England and we moved here. I'm like, <laughs> okay. And I was like, all right. So, anyways, you're supposed to clock that is what it is. I mean, they really want you to know it's like something's off here, and it's like a good like. I mean, I, as soon as they say New England and we're a little weird, I think I think both you and I mm-hmm. piece together immediately where in New England they're from. Yeah. Yeah, which we'll talk about at the end, but I don't know if that works. But anyways. It's very, I mean, yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> um, and the other thing that's been going on in the town is they're a bit down on their luck. You see, the gold ro- the gold mine ran out of gold. The church burnt down. Their last minister died. There's even this tiny Tim kid on crutches walking around. They're like, check that kid out. Isn't that sad? He's got on yeah. crutches. <laughs> I kind of like this, though. I like the idea that the entire town moved essentially during a gold rush. And things were going great, and so they were able to quickly build this town, and everyone was prosperous. But it all has just gone bad, and so you get the sense, and I think they want you to think this, that there's some malevolent force behind it. It's it's too much bad luck. you know. Too much run- bad luck, yeah. Yeah. Um, and to really drive it home that there's so much bad luck, the local black hat bad guy cowboy rides into town, a gentleman <laughs> named Moon. I don't know why this guy, I really enjoyed him, because he just, he loves being a bad guy. He, he, like, shows him town. He's one of those, like, he's shooting people and laughing about it, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like He's like a Lee Van Cleef kind of character. I really enjoy Well, here's it. a question for you, Jordan. Did you recognize Moon? No, who was Moon? We've seen him before. He was in the pilot to Quark as the High Gorgon, and he, like, wore a bit. He had, like, a big, like, black glove on or something and, like, crushed electronics with it. But, like, he took oh. off his mask and that's exactly – I realized – when I looked, I'm like, oh, I, that's exactly who that guy was. It was the same face. Oh, I didn't I didn't recognize him. That's a good call. So that's two people from uh, from previous things we've watched. Actually, there's one more, too. Uh, a character named Jacob, who I'm not sure who that is. Jacob. I think he's probably one of the town's folk. Okay. That guy was also been in Beyond Westworld and The Stranger we've watched. <laughs> it's funny these these actors that just pop up and pop in all these little terrible things. Anyway, this 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 Moon character, this this black hat cowboy, he comes in and he's just like extorting money from the town. He's like, "Give me your money from the." He's gold like a mine. mafia enforcer. He basically is like he has been coming to the town, taking his piece, which you're assuming is more than justified, right? He's just like, "Give me your gold every time you have it." So. Um, yeah, it's hard protection money. It's all it's yeah. all a racket. Yeah. But I think this time when he shows up, he comes and they basically are like, there's no gold left. Like, this is it. This is the last payment we're giving you. And he's yeah. like, no, it's not. It's not. I like he he kicks over that old bald weirdo <laughs> and then like drags him behind his horse and like the reverend's like trying to pull on the rope to help him. But it go, like that that character, <laughs> that actor, he just lays on the ground and he just says seven or eight times. Thank you, reverend. Thank you, Reverend. <laughs> I know, I know. In it's, that tone, not not afraid, not anything. He just keeps saying, "Thank you, Reverend." It's funny because because what you're supposed to to get is the Reverend's the only one who will stand up to this guy. He's so dominant and so evil, and has done so much damage to this town. Everyone's scared of him, and to prove how evil he is, he he gets his rope around this old guy's legs and sort of drags him. And they're like, "You're gonna kill him by dragging him." But yes, his performance sort of uh, is counterintuitive to that because he's just like. 
oh, this is unpleasant. And it's like, but he's supposed to be dying. And so, but, but the point is the Reverend's the only one who kind of yeah stands up for them. They, le- they, they, they float a line around here where they're just like, well, we can't stand up to him because we have a non-violent policy here. So yeah, no pacifist. one in town can stand up to him. It's like, uh, okay, what? Well, yeah, they're, they're pacifist. It would have been better if they had, they had seeded that more. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, because we're Quakers or whatever it might have been, you know, and to explain why that is. Let me is. tell you one thing I know, Joan, about the Old West. What's that? You go there as a pacifist, ain't going to work out. <laughs> Not with people like Moon around with his evil mustache. Anyway, reverencing the town now and kind of the next day, Lorna wakes up from her uh, coma, her her problems. And, um, she, you know, she's kind of now meeting her the people. Ill-defined uh, illness. Yeah, her ill-defined illness. Um, and... It's great because all the town's coming up to say hello to her and stuff. And, like, Deliverance <laughs> walks in and, like, she just clocks this woman walking in. And she's, like, immediately just, like, fuck this lady. Yeah. I'm, like, my husband wants to, like, get with her. I can tell. Like, she's been awake for 30 minutes, for 30 seconds maybe. And she just, like, <laughs> immediately, like, locks in a Deliverance. And she's just angry and jealous the whole scene. And to be fair, probably justified. Well, as we'll come and to Not see, at this point. Not she, at this point. She's got yes. a good sense of what's going on in this town. Yeah. And I should say, this actress really gives what you know what she can to a role where she's mostly in bed freaking out yeah it's so funny she so rarely leaves this set and this is what i started talking about like the days repeat it's like basically every like every like three scenes it's like this bedroom in the morning mm-hmm. go out into town maybe one other location this bedroom at night this bedroom in the morning back yeah. out to town this bedroom at night this bedroom like this this repeats itself over and over again it's yeah. like the first time there's like i think i counted i think three or four uh nightmare scenes like you think they would just do one to get the point across but they do it over and over because as you're saying they've come back at night after the day's events and now they're like back into the room now it's nightmare time now we wake up in the morning it's like it is funny how much this repeats at any rate, she she immediately is just like, I don't like this town. We should keep going. We you had a sweet job set up somewhere else. We should get we should get out of here ASAP. And he's like, we will, we will. Just get you know, you need to heal up, and we'll go. That's a good point though, Luke. the 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 reason they were out traveling is because he has a job as the new reverend at a town, and the wife keeps saying like, we have a responsibility. We are supposed to go. They're waiting for us, and he keeps saying yes. Like he's delaying, and at first you kind of get the sense that it is because of his wife, but as we go through it you can see that he he likes this town he likes how he's being treated he's being treated as more than a person he's being treated like almost not a deity but like as a savior figure and they're um exalting him so high that he he likes it he likes the attention he wants to stay there at least partially selfishly as well well and this this kicks off because like the town basically don't have a minister the church had burnt down so they're they're in need of some spiritual guidance and Mm -hmm. uh, the reverend keys is happy to give them an outdoor sermon and he goes out there, and his sermon was so funny to me because he's just, like, shouting Bible verses. He's not even, yeah. like, tying them into any larger. He's just like, a Bible verse. Another yeah. Bible verse. It like, was what? Weird. what are you shouting at me for? I know. It was weird. It was like they didn't want to write a sermon, so they just have him kind of, like, deliver it sort of in that uh, stereotypical, like, Southern Baptist kind of style. But, yes, he wasn't delivering anything that coalesced with what he was saying. It was odd. It was an odd thing to watch because they're all supposed to be very moved by what he's saying. But... He's not saying anything that would would land, you know? Well, it's just all... I, they felt to me like disparate Bible verses he was yeah, saying. he's just like, Ten like, right. Commandments! And they're all like, that's great. <laughs> anyway, uh, but this sermon is so good, Jordan. It is so good yeah. that it literally somehow faith heals Tiny Tim. He throws down his crutches and Tiny Tim gets up and does a little jig and he says, I'm cured. 
Uh, and that's um uh oh, what's his face who plays the role is uh um Leif Garrett. It's Leif Garrett who plays the role. Who's Leif Garrett? He was sort of uh, in the seventies. He became a bit of a like teen heartthrob. Hmm. Yeah. The town's very impressed. They're very impressed that uh, yeah. that uh, little tiny Tim was cured, and um, you know, Deliverance. She's mute, and she's like, "This is also very impressive to me." So at some point, she like takes Reverend Keys aside and through a a series of hand <laughs> gestures and eye movements telegraphs to him that he's like hey can you cure my mutism yeah it's funny that she did that i think there's much faster ways i know no one can see me but just like point to your throat and then move your hand like a mouth i can't talk help me you know and like the reverend's like i I don't know how i did that last time so i don't know if i can do it again but you can kind of see he's just like these people are really impressed by me and i did just like heal someone so you can see him like being won over is the idea yeah and i think there's they they miss a bit of a turn here because i think there's something interesting about the character who is a stand-up person he's altruistic but he sort of starts believing his own hype and gets a little too big for his britches you know and i think there's i wish they had kind of leaned into this more because it's really about that he doesn't have a chance there's this force that is pushing him but i think there's something more interesting about the consequences of your own hubris if you will you know that's the idea and i think they could push it a little more but whatever it, it, it makes sense mm-hmm. more or less um, yeah because what you get is they love him basically it's like he's come to a town he's a superstar everything he does is great everyone wants him around everyone wants to hear his opinion so he's just like he's all full of himself he's like this is great. And his, and meanwhile, every time he has to come home, because we see it over and over, his wife's just like, we got to get out of this town. He's like, oh, but it's pretty good here. She's like, we got to get out of this town. I've got a migraine. But what what he doesn't notice when he goes to visit uh, this deliverance in this in this scene, is, they're always such flirty little scenes, when he goes to visit mm-hmm. her candle shop. Which is <laughs> yeah. Funny. She's a candle maker, but she's also a good sculptor, apparently. Because um, he's like, oh, this, looks like, this one looks like a dog. And this one looks like a horse. You're amazing. Um, but what he doesn't notice is that deliverance has also sculpted a perfect wax likeness of Lorna, the <laughs> reverend's wife. Yeah, in this, um, and I, I don't know if this is an outdated term, but sort of like a voodoo doll type type thing is what, you get the sense right, a, right away that yeah. that's what she's doing. Well, every night what we see is Deliverance goes into her shed and she just squeezes the head <laughs> of the wax finger. <laughs> and then up in the room, Lawrence is like, ah, my head really hurts. Yeah, how amazing would it be if she just squished it? It just popped, and we watched the scene from like scanners, where just like, just Lorna's head explodes. I was because by the end, like over the course of the show, we'll see like she never. This is also like something they don't build on. Like she's basically already sculpted the perfect figure, and at some point they'll like steal a lock of her hair and add it Mm -hmm. to the sculpture. But it's not like, but it never gets better. Like you think it's like something they're going to like build over time, but really, even when they add the hair, it still has the exact same functionality it did before. You're right. That really should have been a thing where she could, uh, um, Deliverance could only do so much because of the limited DNA or whatever you want to say from the person that she was trying to affect. But as she was getting more and more, she could, you know, create more uh, uh, evil. But uh, yeah, they were just sort of like, yeah, now she has hair on the thing. It looks a little bit more realistic. And there is a moment at the end where I thought they were going to go to that. Like at some point, Deliverance will turn to that thing and grab the head and you know it's going to be a climactic moment for Lorna and I, like she really grabs the head and I thought for sure she was going to crush it and that was going to like do so like even if she like and, and like Lorna does eventually fall into a coma again as a result of this but like mm-hmm. they don't even really put like I really expected that at least them to show that like like that wax head getting crushed because they can't you know they couldn't do like gore but you could like crush a, but they never even go for that which I was really disappointed no. in 
Yeah. But again, the real point of all this is that on the surface of the town, John Keys, I think his name is, mm-hmm. uh, everything's great for him. It seems perfect. But they tell you right off the bat that this undercurrent, there's this evil happening. So you Cer- get that. Certainly you got to watch out for deliverance. Yeah, <laughs> at the very least. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this is sort of also that this is their first night there. So we see like the first of many, many bad dreams that, and like and visions. He also has these like waking visions. But Reverend Keys always sees a shirtless man covered in bloody wounds. And then in his dreams, the shirtless man will like chase him. And he's yeah. always running away from the shirtless bloody man. And like in these dreams, he always gets to some pearly gates and waiting at the pearly gates for him is deliverance. And they always like get really close and snuggly. And that like drives drives mm-hmm. the bloody man away and like immediately you're just like uh, something something weird i mean i think immediately you know exactly what's going on but it's pretty clear i think to the audience i would assume even in 1971 it's pretty clear um it, it works it, it's fine it works as it is it's fine yeah yeah and i mean to lorna's credit one of those nights she wakes up and she goes and looks out the window uh, out back of the house and what she sees is a bunch of children dressed in very creepy animal masks which is very good like very like like a wicker man or something or um midsummer or something like it's very in that vein of like kids with candles chanting something in scary masks and this is what they should have leaned into more because i actually thought that was very effective the idea Mm -hmm. of just like looking out the window and seeing creepy kids with solitary candles wearing these creepy masks that was great it's like that is that's creepy i mean this is this pretty close off the start so it is setting up a pretty good like potential mystery and like lorna goes out to like i don't know i guess confront them or chase them off her mm-hmm. lawn or something and she gets out there and she like steps on that cat which was fair the shot of it was very funny because she doesn't just like step on its tail like she like full-on steps on the midsection of the cat <laughs> cats hate it when you do that the cat screams and when she looks back all the children have vanished into thin air and she's like mm-hmm. where did they go um and she goes to investigate the stump they were standing around chanting and like she looks over and once again we see deliverance just like standing there staring blankly at her yeah what i like is later on and i think it's if it's not the next scene it's a couple scenes later where she sort of tells john what she's seen and no one really believes her but he sort of is like well it's my wife i should actually kind of look around so he's he's kind of walking around looking at the stump and stuff and the town's like I think it's Caleb, the, the mayor's like, well, what are you doing? And he's like, you know, I did find a little bit of wax here. And the mayor's like, eh, it's, uh, it's deliverance. There's wax everywhere. And I was like, is that the answer? There's wax everywhere? She's got I, a little shack. She's making candles. I don't think there'd be wax everywhere. Yeah, I mean, that's just sort of it is like she goes out there. She sees deliverance. She like pull, she pulls a cloth off the stump. And this is when we see the bad dead owl prop. Yeah. But she, her reaction to it is so funny. Let me ask you, though, what was supposed to be happening? The kids with the candles and the creep mask were maybe doing some sort of evil ceremony with the dead owl? Yeah, something like that. Okay. But, like, she sees the dead owl. This is my. This is one of my favorite parts. She sees the dead owl. This actress just, like, screams and then literally just falls backwards and just, like, yeah. collapses. It wasn't like she collapsed. She just, like, goes rigid and falls backwards. <laughs> oh, yeah, she was, like, a cartoon character. Um, and of course what you're saying is like they, the townsfolk and the reverend find her the next morning and she says what's yeah. going on and you know the reverend wants to believe her but like the entire town like you say they're all just gaslighting and they're like dude she's sunstroked you can't believe a word she says you gotta trust us the townsfolk and again they've done enough work of making him feel great about himself that he's like well these people are really nice you know well and, and very quickly her little episode is forgotten because um, 
the uh, that that bald weirdo rides into town. He's just like he was, I guess, out at the gold mine boarding it up now that it's empty. And while he was doing that, he says one of the old mine shafts collapsed. And when he went inside, he saw the biggest vein of gold they've ever found. The town is saved. It's we've got gold again, baby. Yeah, and the first thing I thought was you guys did a terrible job of investigating this gold mine before you closed it up. It was it was right there. You were so close. You gave up. It's it's like that. Uh, there's there's the meme of the of the two people like that's right hacking through, and the one guy gives up just before he gets to the the gems. It's like oh, it's the perfect metaphor for this. But the point is, the town is now saved, and uh, it's supposed to be that. It's no coincidence, at least to them that John has shown up and their fortunes have changed in so many yeah, ways. Yeah, he's their good luck charm at the very least. Yeah. I was just going to say, is this when, right when, when Moon shows up now at the height of their excitement? Well, what, what happens now is the mayor, the mayor's so excited. He's just like, hey, Keys, you should stay. We're building a brand new church for you. We're going to start building it this exact second. We're going to build a church for you. to Like, we're, like you're so mm-hmm. good to us. We're going to treat you so well. And the first thing we're going to build this goal is this church. And I love this church because... Arguably, there's like 36 hours in like movie time left in this movie, and they put that church up in like a day and a half. It's funny. I clocked the same thing because I was like, just because you guys found gold doesn't mean that you now have money to buy supplies. Where are these supplies from? They've mentioned this, that this town is in the middle of nowhere. So I don't even know how they get supplies at the best of times. It's not like there's a railroad nearby. So it was it was a funny thing. They're like, we've got gold. All right, let's put up this church immediately. And they do. Like, they're the fastest builders ever. Yeah, it just goes immediately. And I think we have, like, a whole other, like, go-to-bed nightmare morning sequence where it's like, dreams, Lorna wants to go, the Reverend's not sure. But at any rate, whatever, who cares? The next day, this is when uh, old Moon, the bad guy cowboy, rides into town. He's there to extort a little more money. And they're like, of course, like, hey, Moon, we don't have any right now, but we found new gold, so it's going to be okay. And he's like... No, it's not okay. I'm going to start a little trouble. He shoots around a little bit to show he's serious. And I think he's the only guy who has a gun, which is a major problem for them. Well, they're not violent. They don't have guns. Yeah. And then he's basically like, yeah, I'm also going to just take deliverance. I think is what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. And and he's like dragging her off. And he's really goading the town, particularly rever- the reverend. He like he takes one of his pistols out and like throws it at the reverend's fit- foot. And he's just like, stop me if you want, but you won't. So I'm taking deliverance. And of course, as he drags Deliverance away, the Reverend does in fact reach down, grab the pistol, and like shoot shoot Old Moon in the back, and kills him. And you can see, and I think the the actor uh, Roy Thines or Thins, I don't know how you pronounce his name. I think he does a really good job here. That sort of like that moment has irrevocably changed him. It's against everything he believes in because now he's killed someone. And I think we get a scene later on where he's really like really selling it. He's like pretty how broke up and about it. He's pretty yeah. broken up about it, but. There is a there's a silver lining through it because as as he saves old deliverance, she turns around and she speaks her first words and thanks him for saving her. And he's also cured her muteness somehow. Miraculously, that's um, done. Anyway, that's the end of that day. We get a whole another sequence of days and nights. And then we where the next day rolls around. And um, of course, Lauren is still like every time we do this, it's always the same thing. It's like Lorna says we need to leave deliverance squeezes her head to keep her sick back the next <laughs> the, morning it's, it's so not funny. her head he she squeezes the candle head oh you're right she squeezes the <laughs> wax head but like this is sort of happening and like there's just a whole day here where like it's just lorna saying we need to leave and then yeah. he goes out of the house and bumps into like deliverance at a pond and she reads him erotic poetry and he's just like oh maybe i should stay <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's it's uh she she could not be more transparent. The the whole poem is just basically like 
I love you. I want you to stay. Uh, and let's do it. Let's do it. But I think the, this sort of day sequence is supposed to be like his his big temptation day. Like every can he his wife wants to go, but he's so tempted to stay. And like the mayor's offering him everything he wants. But mm-hmm. Reverend Keys does finally at the end of the day make the decision. He tells the mayor, "We're leaving town. I have to get my wife out of here." And the mayor is disappointed, but he seems to understand the decision. He's like, "No worries. We'll get you packed up." But he's just like, "Just do us a favor. Spend the night here tonight. Tomorrow the church is built. We built it in this thirty six hours." why don't you give us the first sermon in our brand new church at least before you leave? Just do us that favor. And the yeah. was like, that sounds very reasonable. Let's do it. And of course, we hit the bed sequence where he goes up, he has his <laughs> dreams, dreams about the wounded man. This time, the dead moon appears in his dreams and he shoots the dead moon a few more times. And yeah. finally, in his dreams, he makes out with deliverance. So like, you're just like, oh, he loves it here. Yeah, and so he, but he wakes up and he feels so bad still about, um, so guilty, so guilty, so guilty about what he's done. So he actually goes to the cemetery to essentially apologize and pray over Moon's his grave, grave. which you can see it's just it's a funny, it's just like the little set deck. It's just like a little the gravestone Moon is all it says. It didn't it didn't have his cause of death on it. I was disappointed. <laughs> That's I like that. It's a callback to shot shot by Reverend. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he, and while he's out there, of course, he bumps into Deliverance, who's wearing a, a white, flowing white dress. Mm-hmm. Very seductive, I guess. And after this apparent sexual tension for all this time, they finally kiss. And they imply that more than kiss. But we only see, because it's 1971, we only see them embrace. Yeah, yeah, he gives in to his desires. My favorite part, though, is as he does it, he drops his Bible, and the camera zooms in on a Bible passage. And it says, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Which I was wondering. I wonder if that's an actual Bible verse. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't look it up. I don't know. There was. It had a. I. I was like. I bet it's not a real verse. You didn't. You, you didn't feel the cadence was quite right. That's right. Well, I don't know because I don't know what he was reading from before, but it sure didn't sound like a sermon to me. Well, it's great. And then the camera pans up from the Bible verse where where he's standing over this Bible verse as he's making out with deliverance and looks over and like three feet from them, standing <laughs> behind the smallest tree you've ever seen that could hide no one, is just Moon, and he's just like. Yeah, they're doing it. It's happening. Yeah, he's, he's staring at him like uh like a cartoon, like like the Cheshire cat or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's great cuz I just like that the obviousness of it cuz I'm like, yeah, we knew something was funny, but now it's like he's, he's not he's dead, not even guys. Something's up. Yeah, something's up. It was like we know something's up. Anyway, the next morning finally rolls around and uh Lorna, of course, wants to leave. She's begging to get out of there. This is the worst she's ever... She looks like a, like, corpse right now. She looks awful, like, truly awful. And I think this is the moment when, like, Deliverance, like, squishes squishes the wax head one more time and basically throws her back into a coma. Yeah, so it's like they were so close to going, but... And it's like, she seems fine. Everything's good. But then she, like, looks worse than she's ever done before. Yeah, like, yeah. she, I think she's just, like, unconscious immediately. And so Reverend Keyes is like, I need to let her, let her sleep a little bit. So I'll head down to the church and give that inaugural sermon at the church that I promised to give. Mm-hmm. And he goes in and he says he was he was planning his sermon and he was going to read them the Ten Commandments. I was just like, you were going to read them the Ten Commandments as your sermon. You're awful. You're awful at your job, yeah. sir. That should take about 30 seconds. I, I My plan today was just to read the Ten Commandments to you and then stare for a while and then leave. <laughs> Maybe there was a lot of like, after he says it, he'd be like, thou shalt not kill. And everyone's like. Mm, 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 that's a good interesting. <laughs> uh, but instead, he uh, he stands up at that pulpit, 
and he starts to confess to all the sins he's committed since he's arrived yeah. in uh, San Milos. He's like, I've been idolized. I've allowed you to idolize me. I've been lying. Mm-hmm. I've lied. I've coveted. I've, I've killed even. See, that's the thing. I think they didn't sell this enough because, again, they could have really built up to this that he had that uh, trajectory like, of... Oh, like attrition, right? He does... These things yes. are... He's doing bigger and bigger sins... Correct. And each one builds to the next, and he's like, he can't stop doing them because they're like a path he has to take. Yes, and then now he breaks. He's leaving, and he's like, I have to admit what I've done. I'm not this person you think I am. And I think that would have made it made it a lot better because you would have gone on that journey with him, right? But be, because we didn't really see, like, it's a lot of him going outside and talking to the townsfolk and then delivering stares at him, and they kissed once. Like, that's all we see, so it's like, I'm sure he killed the guy. I, but again, we already know that Moon's not dead. They kind of, I think they kind of put that in the wrong place. Like him giving this emotional, I'm sorry, would have worked better if we actually thought he had done all these bad things. Right, right. right? But I mean, well, he tells them all about all the sins he's committed. We get probably what I think is the best use of a canned studio audience laugh track I have ever seen. <laughs> he turns around yeah. and they show like the congregation is laughing at every sin he commits to, but they're not like using the live footage of the actors. It's very laughing. weird. They literally have like a studio audience from a sitcom's laughter placed in, so it sounds completely out of place. But it is I know. so funny, and it's like he's killing. It's like he's killing at a stand-up comedy show. It's like yeah, it's like the I Love Lucy audience is somehow watching this, and it is such a bizarre choice that they had. I was like, why couldn't you've just had the actors laugh? Like, was the director just thought it wasn't big enough? Because it's so odd. It was very weird. And, like, the funny part is, is like, when you see the townsfolk's reactions, because they cut into close-ups, and, like, this is some of the better stuff, is when they get really close on these faces mm-hmm. and make them look really, like, wild and scary. Like, those actors are really giving it on those laughs. So I was just, like, and they, like, they seem like they would be more menacing than the, like, very just, like, yeah, yeah I love Lucy studio audience laugh track we're getting, which just seems like, so it's so funny to me. I laughed so hard at that sequence. Well, that's the thing. It's, like, it undercuts this scene, which is really that... He's reading the tenets of Christianity to them, these these building blocks of, of morality, and they're laughing at them. That's the whole point of it, right? He's saying these things that should be these moral truths, and they're just laughing hysterically, and he's like, what is happening? But you're right. An interesting scene could be, maybe not powerful is the word, but much more effective, and, and it's just, it's so funny because you have this, it's honestly, it's an I Love Lucy audience. Yeah, it's such it's such a great piece of candle after. Anyway, the Reverend is freaked out, obviously, so he kind of stumbles out of the church and goes back up to that bedroom with his wife, and the whole town just follows him up there laughing. The entire town yeah. just spills into this bedroom with him. <laughs> and they kind of lay out what's happened to him. They're just like, hey, listen, we changed all the signs in the desert to ensure you would get lost. Then we brought you back here because, like, we actually have our own, like, ritual or Sabbath to do as the eclipse happens today. And immediately, like, they just cut to, like, the moon is immediately eclipsing the sun at that exact moment. Mm-hmm. By the way, I loved when they had that line, we changed all the signs in the in the desert. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no way that was a thing. The weird, I, My favorite part was the weird bald man. It's just like, yeah, we've got a covenant with death and hell. Oh, he wrote, oh I wrote down the line. It was so good. Hold on. He said, um, yeah, because basically what they tell him is they have a, a deal with the devil. But he says, we have a covenant with death and with hell, they're in agreement. <laughs> That was the line. <laughs> and his voice is so funny and squeaky. Yeah. I, it was so funny. To me. I was laughing so hard. Yeah. So so we learned that they're essentially, I don't know if devil worshippers is the thing. They're, they're, they're an odd witches. cult of some sort. Yeah. And and they have, the previous minister was killed. Uh, this, uh, this part made me laugh too because they're just like, 
we need someone who's pure who we can like drive into sin basically we need to like degrade a pure person into like a sinful person that's part of mm-hmm. the ritual and they're like that's what we did with our last minister and as they say that one of them reaches into their pocket and pulls out like a photo he's just carrying around like just not even in a frame yeah. just a loose photo of the minister that he offers to show to keys and it's only there so that we can see the photo and realize oh that's the guy from the dreams i know it's so funny because we know we know who that's we, we, like you've told us the previous minister died. we know who that is but it is so funny he's like hey by the way Here's a photo. And I don't know if we were supposed to believe that, like, because they know the image he had in his dream and they're putting the pieces no, together no. for him. I, or it's I, for it's the audience. It's truly there right. because they're worried. The, like, because they the, the audience hasn't seen that last priest. They just know a bloody man has chased him. So without that connection, we, we'll never really know for sure who that person in the dream was. And this is the only thing that can possibly, like, clarify that. Right. It was the last minister, and he's in this dream. He's not chasing him. He's trying to warn him. So the and the only way they could find to do that, like it's not like, like what you would normally do is have him find an old photo of the old priest and be like weirded out by it. But they haven't written that beat in. So someone's mm-hmm. just like, oh, just reach in your pocket and you just show him a photo of the priest for no reason. Anyways, so the the point though is that he unwittingly has fallen into this much larger ceremony that they do of this forcing a good person to fall from grace essentially yeah yeah yeah. and there's one last terrifying reveal jordan deliverance turns to reverend keys and says my name isn't even deliverance it's lilith i was like okay i don't care yeah well it's because they're they're playing off of the um i don't even want to say apocryphal tale because it's not really but it's this sort of like medieval i think it was the medieval time period where they had this idea that um in some i think there's some maybe jewish mysticism and 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 early christian uh, writings that Adam had a different wife first, Lilith, who didn't want to be told what to do. So she left and then Eve came along, which isn't, again, it's not in the actual Bible or uh, Talmud or anything. It's like a, a separate tale, but it's one of those ones that like is an idea people love kind of clinging yeah, yeah, onto yeah. because the name Lilith then becomes this like synonymous with evil, right? Well, it's just so funny to me because it, it, it's, it's kind of the last reveal they give, but mm-hmm. like it doesn't top anything like they've just been yeah. like we're like we're a devil called we're gonna sacrifice you it's all been a trick it's like oh and my name's lilith <laughs> yeah i was lying earlier it's not my name my name is not deliverance and it's just like uh, that's like if you're that's you you're like that's the least of your words right now well i mean it's also funny because she could have been called lilith earlier it could have just been like her name's lilith and then later you're like oh it's lilith from these stories we've heard about this sort of somewhat personification of evil it's like you didn't have to just it doesn't help at all just telling us now it's like oh great okay it, it might as well have been like one of the guys like caleb was like hey by the way my name's lucifer i'm like oh okay <laughs> i told you i was the mayor caleb hobbs but i didn't tell you my middle name is lucifer <laughs> <laughs> caleb lucifer hobbs it's a good name yeah anyway they uh, they take him back to that brand new church they built they hang him they hang him by one foot upside down take off his shirt for some reason yeah. and then light the whole church on fire and i'm just like man you just spent all that time building that church it was funny i'm like so do they have to keep doing this over and over keep having to build i, this I assume it's part of the ritual so they do have to but it was i was just like so much work that's how they got it up fast luke they've done it so many times i guess that's true they're just really good at it now and this is kind of maybe one of the best like executed sequences of the movie is when the whole town's there watching it burn 
and like it's really well edited they start like really cutting into close-ups mm-hmm. of the people's faces and then like suddenly the children and the masks pop up in those close-ups and like you're getting a lot of like really tight weird shots of people like, it's kind of the most creepy like satanic yeah. part of the movie where i was just like this is the part where the editor really knew how to make sell this it's too bad it wasn't over the rest as much over Agreed. the rest of the film but like at least in the end here it's kind of like kind of you get you at least get a tense moment at the end well what they could have done is really upped it earlier on like every time we went back to deliverance or lilith uh her candle maker shop it could have been creepier they could have shot it in weird ways or when you see things at night it could have all been in this style because i agree this is it's pretty effective but there wasn't that tension throughout the whole movie. It was just a lot of him going back upstairs and being like, oh, my wife's got a headache. It just, yeah, it's just not there. Like, I, I, you think you're right. They're aiming for a good slow burn cult movie. Like, honestly, watching it, you can see the blueprints Yeah. for all of these, like, go to a small town and there's something weird going on movies. It just never quite coalesces. Um, mm-hmm. But it does have one final twist ending, which I honestly, good for them. I kind of liked it. I liked it too. We cut from this like church burning, all the people watching the pre- uh, the guy die. Smash cut. We're back in the desert, but now it's 1970. A family station wagon has broken down on the side of the road, and who's pulling up to help them? But the mayor, deliverance, and old Baldy. The cycle yeah. continues. Yeah, they don't look any different. But uh, you mi- you missed one thing. Oh no, I ha- yeah, you're right. There is one final turn as well. Like we jump forward, and we see they're immortal apparently, just running this scam all the time. Yeah, but they they do finally like nail that last. But you want to you want to describe the last reveal? <laughs> well, so uh, they're the they come and they go. Oh, we'll help you. Uh, uh, this time they pull up in a car, of course, because it's modern times, 1970, and they pull up and the family is happy that they're gonna get saved, and they're like, we'll tow you with our car. So they tow, and as they go out you see the sign for uh, San Melis in the background of the rear view. They're like, uh, welcome mirror. to San Melis, population 57 or whatever. Yeah, but now in the background, you see it says Salem Nas. Well, that's just it. He, she she tur- tur- turns and looks in the rear view mirror, and you're like, oh, it was always Salem backwards. <laughs> but here's here's the thing. I know. What's Nas? That I that's just because they needed to call it San Melis, so it sounded, uh, it sounded Spanish, and they're like, I guess it's now Nas Salem? But you know, here is my point, though, uh, from earlier. I understand why they want Salem because Salem is synonymous with with the the, the witchcraft. No, but here's the thing. But it's synonymous with that because there were witches, witches were killed there, not because they were a town of witches. Yeah, be, yeah, but no, and and there was no witches. It was just people being hysterical about it. So it was an odd thing to chose. Like if they had chosen, um, what do you call it? Um, like Roanoke, you know? Yeah. Or something like that. I'd be like, "Oh, Roanoke. They actually left because they were evil, and they and it kind of plays it. into it, yeah. I, that I, made I more disagree. sense. Like what we know about Salem is that witches were killed there. So if in this world witches exist, and not only do they exist, they are actually evil. In that case, they fled Salem. It wasn't like the town packed up and left Salem. It's like the any witches that lived there left because they were being persecuted. <laughs> yeah. So like, if you left the place you were getting persecuted, let's say you got persecuted in Minneapolis. Would you name the new town San Minneapolis? No, you wouldn't. <laughs> no, I'd name it San Silapidamop. <laughs> Whatever Minneapolis is backwards. Minneapolis backwards, yeah. Silapidamop. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's it's a funny reveal. I love it because they show it in the rearview mirror, and they do that very 70s horror film freeze frame. Like, it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre freeze frame, where it's just like, yeah. freeze frame, Salem. Like, you can't believe it. You, you're just falling out of your chair at home. Like, Grandma's chair just flipped backwards. She's like, <laughs> I can't believe that's what was happening. 
<laughs> but but I have to say, the ending is probably the best part of the movie. Like, I like that they killed the minister. I thought it was an effective... Uh, I, I like the scene of him hanging and getting burned. I was like, that's great. I thought that was good. It's just, just, the it's just up to that part. opening five and the closing know? five are effective, and then everything yeah. in the middle is just like, all right. It's Yeah, it's spinning wheels. Well, I got nothing else to say about this, Jordan. Should we just write it? Yeah. What a, a quirky little movie, huh? Yeah, I've been really going back and forth on quite what to give it because it. I'm me too. It's got like it's fun. It's a cult in the old west. That's kind of fun. There's a few moments of tension that are good. There are a few moments that are just unintentionally bad that are very funny. So like those are pretty enjoyable. But don't you wish though they really just leaned into it though? Like not the, maybe the fantasy elements, but like the creepy elements, the horror elements. I think, and part of it, I think to be fair to this movie, I think they're handcuffed with the time they were like a broadcast movie you know what i mean in yeah. 1971 i think there's only so creepy you can you can only get so creepy really i think they capture the couple of moments that they saw as like the highlight moments of being creepy and then i think they just it was like i think the script is just too workmanlike like it just tra- yeah. like it just knows where it needs to go that's and a just very filling good up note. time till you get there so as a result like it's, there's no craft to the middle mm-hmm. i think I'm torn between three and four, but I think I'm going to have to go three. Yeah. I'm at a five and a half. I probably liked it a little more than you, but it's that to be fair, this is probably a little bit more of my, my wheelhouse than yours, but yeah, it's like, I wanted it to be a lot better. It, it was, it was okay. There wasn't enough, there weren't enough characters to kind of grab onto and they didn't lean into everything. Like again, the idea of a good man falling from grace and being forced i think that's it's a really good timeless idea it's just how they executed it didn't quite work and they felt somehow like not claustrophobic exactly like they had what looked like great sets and all these things but did feel like they were like not allowed to use most of it because you really don't see much of the town we're really stuck in that bedroom and that one like the the mayor's like living room and occasionally will like go to a lake i think it was intentional i'm going to give this movie credit i think they wanted that idea of being stuck in a in a small area but you're right it it makes the world seem small because there's all these buildings in these town like the town folk are essentially just a mass of people you don't really learn them other than the the three people we interact with so you get this sense of like is there anything be- beyond this wall over here? Because it doesn't feel like it. Well, that's the thing is, like, I think we should have felt like they were trapped there, but because, like, but you just need to see a little more of the town and a little more of just like how oppressively isolated it was to feel that. And as, but as mm-hmm. we never see any, like, we see a few street shots. We do get a few nice shots of the streets, but it just never, you never feel like you're in a place. Well, they, I think they needed like a scene where maybe he was trying to go further than they wanted him and. And they kind of stopped him or something, you know, something that gave you more of a sense of the boundary that they wanted. They didn't want to lose him. Yeah. Um, but like something, something was some stuff were missing in the middle. Like they just didn't have all the beats you want from this kind of thing. I like the lead, though. I thought he was good. I mean, honestly, I even like creepy old bald man. Like he gives such weird delivery lines, but like <laughs> it's supposed to be weird there. So it works. Yeah. But not a great movie. Not a great movie. Well, yeah. it was fun. It was fun to watch. Though. I still wasn't like too upset. No, I I enjoyed it. Like it was a fun watch, but I wouldn't. If someone was like, "Should I rewatch it?" I was like, "Nah, probably not." No, that's that's. I think the biggest problem is like, if if someone was like, "Should I?" I'd be like, "Nah, not really." Yeah, you're not missing anything. Yeah, I could tell you in thirty seconds basically what's gonna happen. How long do you have to hear the the Ten Commandments? Fifty five minutes on a podcast. What happened? (laughs) That's right. I realized just after I said that, I was like, "Oh, there's nothing to talk about." I'm like, "What? We sure found ways." Well, that wraps up for this episode. So, listener, uh, you of course can. Get a hold of us at Gmail. Uh, that's what we call it. We call it Gmail around here. It's, Get uh, a hold of us at Gmail. At gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, on Instagram and Twitter, we'll have some clips, some some Mernon churches, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know what else. Wax, maybe. <laughs> I think we should probably have that reveal of the owl. Oh, probably the reveal of the owl, not lady falling over. We'll definitely have San, San Milos becoming uh, Nos Salem. Maybe old Baldy getting dragged and being like, "Stop it! This hurts." That's your that's your uh, that's your rap name, right, Little Nos Salem? That's right. That's right. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> My mixtape drops soon. Um, but that wraps it up for the episode. So, uh, listener, thank you for joining us. And Jordan, see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler, produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.